L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love. Is all that I can give to you. Love, love is, is a a rush a of just like this feeling you get that's just like pure happiness and and you get butterflies. But love to me is unconditional, and if you love somebody, you would do anything for them. I consider love to be like a force. It's just welcoming, caring. It's I don't want to say like finding home and like another person, but it's kind of like that feeling. It it means having someone there that will hold your hand, tell you everything's going to be better, will say I love you now and then, and tell you that you're looking good. I would just add someone that puts puts you before all else. What is love, really? An intense feeling of deep affection? A great interest or pleasure in something or someone? Or the feeling of deep romantic attachment? It turns out it's all of these things, and more. Join us as we explore the topic of love through the eyes of couples, all in different stages of their partnerships, and all who met at UNT. We'll hear their stories of meeting and falling in love, and what it takes to stay together. We'll also hear from neuroscientist Dr. Nicolady Tam, who will give her own explanation of what love means to her, peppered with the science behind what makes our blood pressure rise and our heart feel safe and secure. And social scientist Dr. Julie Leventhal will talk about interpersonal relationships and the social aspect behind emotions. Hi, I'm Dr. Nicolady Tam. I'm at the Department of Biological Sciences, and I do brain research, and more specifically, I do brain imaging and using optical imaging rather than magnetic imaging. And so it's a, actually a new technology that can image the brain with infrared light. Love means to be is to have the empathic emotions. It requires the empathy to feel for another person. So. My theory is that that ability of empathy is actually very simple by extending yourself to include the other person as part of you. And so that's why when we are in love, we feel that you are a part of me. And because when you, include, when you are inclusive, you tend to increase the survival not only for yourself, but for the other person too. So therefore, you can love them, protect them, and help them and feel for them. There are a few neurotransmitters and hormones that are involved in emotions, love, and, and empathy. One of the hormones turns out to be oxytocin. So the oxytocin has multiple functions. So initially, oxytocin is the hormone that induces labor. But after birth, when you nurse the baby, it's the suckling stimulus that actually uh, induces release of oxytocin. And that promotes the bonding between mother ch and child. And the question is that, what happened to the male? So it turns out that there are oxytocin receptors in the male brain too. So the next question you want to ask that, 
then what triggers the release of oxytocin? Because males don't give birth to the baby or nurse the baby. In evolution, we evolved from uh, olfactory animal based on smells into visual animals. We relies on sight and images to help us to survive. It is the visual signals about the cuteness of the baby that causes the release of oxytocin. And so that's why when you see a cute baby, a cute puppy, or a cute uh, kitty, you just love them and adore them and protect them. And that's because oxytocin release instantly once you see them. At last, my love has come along. Judith Sanchez. I am pre-med. I recently graduated with my bachelor's in biology and minor in chemistry. My name is Tanner Gritchler <laughs> and uh, I'm currently an, an MBA student uh, here at the University of North Texas in the business school uh, doing the uh, online marketing program. And uh, in the middle of all that, I'm also uh, doing some consulting stuff to pay through college. For me, it was just very weird because the way he was was different than other guys in the past. He was very sweet, and I kept telling myself, there's an ending to the sweetness he's doing. It's going to stop. Because normally guys in the past just are sweet in the beginning, and then they're like, this is the real me. And he never had that. And to this day, he's just always been super sweet and a gentleman. That's how I was raised. <laughs> uh, for, for me, it was, um, uh, you're a very interesting person and very smart. And, um, and you carry yourself very well and you have manners. And it's, it's so weird to say this, but it's hard to find people with good manners. And it's hard to find good, you know, down-to-earth people. The connection part and, like, how we knew, man, that's, like, next-level... It was weird. Yeah, it's weird. You it, just know when you know. We meshed, and then actually, it was a little bit later that we were like, wow, we're really weird together. <laughs> it, it just, like, we became best friends. For relationships to be strong, you have to just have great communication with each other. Communication is the key to everything. Um, and a little humility. Yes. You have, to, you have to realize that we're all just humans mm -hmm. on Earth, and life is a finite thing. And, uh, and we're not perfect. Yeah, and, and we know that, and we're, we're actually open to talking to each other about that, uh, whether it even be like stuff that we struggle with or, uh, or whatever. Uh, but that's, that's, just, that's just the hard stuff. That, but there's also all the other things that keep the relationship strong, like, like actually making time for dates and like going hiking, uh, which is something we're doing this weekend. Yeah, but it's, it's living life together mm -hmm. and, and choosing to enjoy it and having that humility. If you have a pet... The pet knows, so if you have the pet and the pet meets the other person and the pet does not like them, that's a no person for you. That's not the person for oh, you. Oh, you know what? But if my dog is named Freehole, he's a little Shih Tzu, and he's never liked anybody. He's no other guy. And he right away was obsessed with Tanner. Tanner and Judith plan to have a destination wedding this summer. 
but they met several years ago at a local pub on Fry Street. He accidentally knocked her drink out of her hand and insisted on buying her another. He felt a glimmer of a spark and asked for her number. I remember I texted him first because he said Tanner, and I remember at 3 a.m. that same night, I said, Hi, Tanner. It was nice to meet you. He didn't reply back until the next day at 5 p.m. And I and he said, hi, Judith. What are you up to? And I said, in my head, I was like, this guy finally replied to me after asking for my phone number. So I said, I was up until like 4.15 a.m., which felt like forever that hour. I was up for forever trying to figure out what to say. Back. <laughs> I had absolutely zero clue what to say back. I was so nervous. And well, I found I said nothing. I'm just. I think I was at home studying, and he's like, oh, let's go watch a movie. I said, yeah, sure, when? Thinking it was going to be later in the future. He said, right now. And I was like, in my pajama, studying, and I was like, what? Like, this can't be real, because now I have to get ready. L is for the way hey, William Jackson. I grew up in uh, Arlington. And I graduated North Texas with a Bachelor of Arts in Music and German in 1976. Chuck Gatlin. Uh, I grew up in Springtown, which is west of Fort Worth. Uh, I came to North Texas in 1971 and graduated in 1974. And came back, graduated with a Master of Arts in English in 96. See, what he's got going on is this incredible brain. <laughs> He knows a little bit about everything. And just, he always makes me laugh. But what I like about William most is what a generous nature he has as a person and how sincere he is. There's not any pretense. He's the most forthright person that I've ever known. And we keep each other happy. <laughs> uh. We both lived at West Hall oh. in 72 when I started. But I didn't know Chuck. But he would say later he would see me at breakfast and different meals there. The next year, in 1973, Bruce became co-ed, and William met Chuck through his good friend, John Bodie, who lived in Bruce as Chuck's roommate. One day, Chuck was looking for a place to sit at lunch, and there just happened to be one seat left at a table where William was eating with a group. Chuck asked if the seat was taken. It wasn't. And that's where it all really began. So it was March, around March 14th. Well, it was March 13th, actually. That, that was the fall of 73. Three, yes. And over the Christmas break, I realized I was missing him a whole lot. So I came back, and I'm trying to get up the courage to talk to him you know, about, you know, that I was falling in love with him. And I'm just about to that point, and he and a bunch of friends go to Mardi Gras, take take a van, I guess it was, and they drove over. No, it was to just a regular car well, with five guys in it. And they went to Mardi Gras, came back. The day he gets back, he's sick. He called me to tell tell me so that I could tell all the rest of the friends, you know, why, why he suddenly disappeared because he went home for a week or whatever it was. Two weeks. Two weeks. That's right. So he came back, and I got the flu or something. We're back, finally, and all this time I'm just missing him really bad. And I finally start talking to him about, you know, my ideas about things have changed. And 
I'm finding I'm attracted to him. And and he goes, what? shuts his book and says, well, let's go. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 not tonight. I have a test tomorrow. <laughs> so we had our first real date the next night uh, in the auditorium building that was showing Romeo and Juliet, the Zeffirelli movie. And we went to that. And so that was March 14th, 1974, which is our anniversary. We decided we were going to get married. And so we got married on March 14th so that our anniversary wouldn't change. Sometimes we think, or I think, uh, divorce never, murder maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give people in a relationship to stand the test of time? So, For us, it's definitely humor. Yeah. We're patient mm -hmm. and forgiving, but we're both... We both like to laugh, mm -hmm. and we both keep the other entertained. It's just well, anything yeah. will come up. Like, uh, since I am getting older, I'll see someone much older than me, infirm in some way or the other, and I'll say, well, there's me in six months, and say it's a, a lady, an old lady on a walker or something, and she's all bent over, and she's got a, a pink drag-down hat on her, and Chuck will say, Oh, that's nonsense. You'll know you would never wear that shade of pink. <laughs> Another thing that helps us stay together mm -hmm. is uh, his family. Mm -hmm. Almost from the very beginning, they accepted me as just another relative. And it was real funny. A long time ago, well, back in '88, both of my parents died within four months of each other, and the next fall. I went with Chuck and his entire family to a family reunion in Mississippi. And his father, Mr. Gatlin, was in charge of standing up and saying what had happened in that part of the family at a big meeting. There were, there were over 50 people in that room. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, we have with us a guest, William Jackson. We've decided to make him an honorary Gatlin. And years later, when the family would get together and talk about plans after they both expired, it it turned out that his parents didn't know about our relationship, but they did that day. <laughs> and I always tease Chuck, saying, well, you know, Mr. Gatlin probably sits around and thinks, oh, I should have never said that thing about him being an honorary <laughs> Gatlin. He fell in love with Chuck. L is for the way. I am Dr. Julie Leventhal. I am a senior lecturer in the Department of Educational Psychology in the College of Education. And I know a thing about some things <laughs> with relationships. Um, I have been teaching our interpersonal relationships class for a good solid decade now. Um, have also taught our courtship and marriage classes. Um, and just generally, I'm always interested in, in the why of relationships and observing them and seeing them and watching them. and love everything about them. I think starting at the very beginning of my college career, which was actually here in our HDFS program, um, I had always been interested in observing children's behavior and seeing like why kids would do what they did. And then that kind of morphed. I was really interested in children's conflict. And then that morphed into marital conflict or interparental conflict and watching parents engage in conflict um, to see how they would resolve it. And I've just always been captivated by that because, yeah, we can see connections among things, but we don't always ask the why and really ask people like, why are you doing this? And so it's just, I, I don't know, it's kind of just from one thing to another, I've always been fascinated with human behavior. It's a little bit of the introvert in me. I like to just kind of watch and see and try to understand people. Yeah, there's so many different ways of looking at love and we just don't always think about it. We say love and we immediately go to romantic relationships and it's like, oh, 
that's not it. <laughs> not the only type. I always believe in kind of this multifaceted definition of it. So on the one hand, I believe that I can choose to feel and be connected to someone. So I'm, I'm part of it. I talk about this in my classes that love is kind of a little bit of a choice that I'm choosing to spend my emotional resources on somebody else. But then I also feel like my feelings and my emotions are kind of the emotional representation of that. So it's how I'm displaying that and how I'm exhibiting that. So for me, it's all about connecting with someone and feeling really safe and secure with that person and having a, a relationship where I feel like, like at ease and feel like this person really does have my back and this person's going to care about me and we can fight till the cows come home and they're still going to be there and they're still going to be like, hey, I think you're a cool person. I like you for a lot of reasons. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm not abandoning this relationship. So that's what I think it is, is just having that connection that's based on those emotions, based on those choices, based on attraction, based on so many things. And that's going to be long lasting because you want that. I think communication and conflict are the two big ones where people, they might have this kind of unrealistic or it could even be realistic expectation of the relationship, but they don't necessarily know how to process through these heavier things that come out. So I may have this idea that this relationship is going to be, you know, wonderful and it's going to be the end all be all of relationships. And maybe it will be, maybe it won't. But when we have these challenges, we don't necessarily know how to navigate that because we just were kind of going on this one path and didn't realize that there's deviations from it. So I think that's a big thing. It's a long way of saying that, that I think we're not always prepared for veering off path for finding out like, Hey, I'm going to graduate college early. What does that mean for our relationship? Or I just got this job offer halfway across the country. What does that mean? Or I'm going to go on study abroad, even though it's two, three weeks. Like, what does that mean there? And so I don't think that we're always aware of those hiccups, which we don't necessarily have to be, and we don't have to know how to deal with them. Um, but just that, that's, a, that's a big thing is people, I don't think, kind of plan for different contingencies. And again, I, I feel weird saying that because it's like, oh, well, don't don't go into a relationship unless you're ready for all these things to happen. It's not what I'm saying, but it's still like we just are very narrow in, in how we see the relationship sometimes. And so we don't always see other potential influences. L is for the way. And what about that holiday, Valentine's Day? I think it's a really nice holiday to have once a year just to remind some people, hey, you have a very special somebody. Although I feel like I'm naturally, I don't think that you should have one specific day where you are happy about the other person or show your love to the other person. I'm, I'm pro in, in what it stands for and like caring and loving other people mm. and like showing your affection. Um, but like also do it every day treat yeah. people good yeah. <laughs> my thing is like That's just treat people with love there's we're all human beings we're all made up the same things biologically so just nobody is better than another person and think if <laughs> think if in, instead of like buying a box of chocolates for somebody you did a random act of kindness mm -hmm. like if everybody did that instead of going out and buying a, a ten dollar teddy bear imagine the kind of difference that would make in people's lives I think Valentine's is a great, great day to celebrate uh, love, especially when you have a partner. But Valentine's Day is a sad day for the single people. <laughs> 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 Unless we have another day called uh, self-love day. I want to love myself even without a partner. <laughs> Valentine's is more than just people that are that are physically in love with each other. It's 
filial love or love of our parents and love of our relatives and love of our friends. My great aunt, who um, was the daughter of the first called Baptist minister to Hondo, Texas, <laughs> would send me as a child those little assorted gift packs of Valentine's and always remind me she wants one of them. <laughs> now, she lived in San Antonio, and we lived in Arlington, and uh, she'd get it to me in plenty of time so I could make decisions like that. So, yeah, it's it's definitely pro. It's kind of funny. Valentine's is one month before our anniversary, so we celebrate them both every every huh. year. Oh, my goodness, I'm so anti-Valentine's Day. <laughs> and I hate saying this. Actually, it's a funny story. We, um, we don't really celebrate, like, any holidays in our relationship just because we're like, why pick one day when we can like show our love and, and care every other day, basically? Um, but we were trying to figure out a wedding date, and we were kind of thinking about like President's Day of 2021, but it falls on Valentine's Day weekend, and we were like, nope, 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 not doing it because we can't. It's just we feel like it's very kind of cliche and very like societally done up, and so we're like, I'd rather pick any other day to be all hearts and flowers and things like that. So, no, I, I don't. I don't mind Valentine's Day. I just, we don't ever do anything for it. I'm very personally attracted to that. <laughs> L is for the way you look. What final thoughts would you all like to leave us with today? You have to keep your eyes open. Mm -hmm. You see so many people walking with their heads down everywhere they go. And if you just say, hey, anybody I see, man or woman, might be a friend, might have something in common with me. And if you go to classes or something, don't just sit in the back. Take part. Because someone might be noticing you and saying, they look interesting. I need to get to know them. Yeah, I don't think I could say it any better than that. If you, if you find someone to love, hang on to it. Ursula Le Guin. Hmm. Uh, Ursula Le Guin's one of my favorite authors. And I don't remember which book it was, but she said, hold tight to a good thing. I am so blessed you have found my person so soon in life. I think about butterflies. Um, butterflies, they live very short time. And within that time frame, they find their other <laughs> but 50 years from now, when I look back, I want to just, you know, be happy for living for a living life with you. And uh, the, the little experiences like going out on the weekends to go hiking or taking uh, a trip to, to the islands or something, you know, but living life and enjoying it and living it to, to what it could be. Thank you for listening to UNT Pod. If you'd like to share your own UNT related love story, connect with us on our UNT social channels. And check out previous episodes of UNT Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. And the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning love bears heavy on my mind. Then I look at you, and the world's all right with me. Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be